I'm preaching a brief series on the cross and what the cross means to us the next few Sundays. Because as a culture, we have a tendency to avoid painful topics. And that's partially what I want to express to us this morning. How important it is to realize how facing our sin and dealing with our sin can set us free. I'm not sure that Americans have ever grasped, and I am sure that Christians have never grasped, that we are the only people in the world of every other major religion that has the assurance of salvation and that cause to celebrate. You will never hear in any of the Eastern religions an assurance of salvation, a dealing with the alienation from God. You will never hear in Islam a hymn of praise and confidence and assurance. You will hear in Judaism hymns of praise, but you will not hear hymns of assurance and of everlasting joy with certainty of heaven. Only people who follow and believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross have that cause for celebration. Now, it's important to realize what it takes to have that, insur that assurance. Because it's important to realize how separate we are in the first place. Not many of us want to deal with our separation from God. If you will look at Ephesians 2.12, it says very plainly that remember that you were, and some versions say at one time, separate from Christ. Excluded, or the other word is alienated, from the commonwealth of Israel, that is, from the family, the particular family of God, and strangers to the covenants of promise, that is, to the agreements of promise. You didn't, we didn't know what promises God had for us, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, look at verse 19 and see what a difference there is after the cross. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Let's talk for just a minute about what it means to be alienated, what it means to be a stranger. How is it that we who were all created from God, by God, there isn't a person in this world that cannot call God creator. And therefore, there isn't a person in this world that can't in some way call God Father. How is it that we are strangers to Him? How is it that we are alienated and we feel separate from Him? Why do you have to go to, to the cross to be included in the family of God? That doesn't make any sense. Well, it does when you think of the effect of sin. It really does. Now, when I was a little boy, I had a 
loving family. There was my mom and my sister and I, and later on my stepdad came along. He was a neat, neat guy. But while we were together, my mother and my sister and I, we had an intense family relationship. We loved hard and we played hard and we fought hard. I mean, there wasn't anything middle of the road about our family. Now, I remember being so close to my mom. I mean, we wrestled. My, my mom felt bad, I think, that I didn't have a dad. My dad died when I was four, and so she wrestled. I, I broke her nose twice wrestling as a little kid. It was awful. She was trying to be dad. You know, she was, she was a single parent, you know. It was tough on her. But, but we had a wonderfully close relationship. Well, I can remember when coming in the kitchen one day, and I was starved. And we had had, we had, there's a pie there, and we hardly had any, hardly ever had pie. I don't know why there was one there, but we had a pie there for some reason. And they were down to the, we were down to the last piece. And man, it really looked great. Now, one thing you never did at our house, you never took the last piece of anything without asking, does somebody want to share this with me? I mean, it was just part, if there was one pork chop left, you said, anybody want to share that last pork chop? Or anybody, does anybody want that lesson? You just never did it. So I knew that that pie was not mine to have because I, there was nobody to ask the question there to. But I was hungry and the pie was good and I was going to, you know, I would just face the consequences later. Thank you very much. And I took that pie in my hand and just went in my mouth. Now, I knew that as long, when my mother got back, I would be nailed because that was the procedure. My mother was omniscient. All of you mothers are omniscient. We know it. You know what goes on. You can feel the, the tremors in the atmosphere. You all got eyes in the back of your head. My mother was no different. She was omniscient. And I knew that I would get nailed immediately because that was a procedure. When you did something wrong, you got nailed. And then it was over and then life was okay. So she came in to fix supper. The pie was gone. The pan was empty. She didn't say anything. And I just, just for a moment, had a thought. Maybe I'm going to get away with this. <laughs> Maybe she did not notice. Maybe she thought she ate the pie while she was sleeping. <laughs> Maybe... Maybe she thought my, my older sister, Michelle, who was perfect from day one, <laughs> ate the pie. Fat chance. But maybe, maybe she had a breakdown, you know, and just ate. I don't know what, but she didn't say anything. And so we went ahead and had supper and no dessert. She didn't say anything. Michelle and I washed the dishes like we always did. Mom didn't say anything. And I thought to myself, I'm going to get it right before I'm going to go to bed tonight. I'll get nailed. I'll get a big lecture. I'll have punishment that I got to carry out. And then it'll be all right. She didn't say anything. And I kept thinking, gosh, this is all right. I'm going to get away with this. I can do, I can do this. She's not going to say anything. I noticed, though, that while mom didn't act any differently toward me, I found myself wanting to make superficial conversation. You know how you are when you feel a little guilty? You just kind of want, want to keep contact but never get down to brass tacks, you know? You kind of want to make like uh, everything's okay, but you can't get in it too far or you're afraid something's going to come out that will reveal what you did, you know? Well, Mom, you know, I was, you know, boy, I played hard today. Wasn't it hot today? I just, you know, and then I came in and I saw that pop. 
You know, I didn't want to do that. So I just kept on the weather, kept on commercials on, you know, how do you think, what do you, you think that'll be a good product? You know, but my mom was being real cool. My, just not saying word one to me. Well, when it came time to kiss, you know, to go to bed and hug, and I, I did, but it was kind of stilted, you know. I thought, oh, here's where she just says, oh, I thought I could depend on you, boy. Now, you know, so I just kind of kept my distance. Well, that went on for two days. Two days. She acted normal. I acted scared. She wanted to get close to me. I wanted to get close to her. But I couldn't get close to her because I knew that I'd have to pay the piper if I did. I knew it had slipped. I've never been any good at hiding anything. I knew it would slip. And so there was a distance there. There was love, but there was no intimacy because of a sin. Finally, I couldn't stand any longer. I just went and threw myself on the mercy of the court. I said, Mom, I ate the pie. She said, I know. I said, why didn't you nail me? You always nailed me. She said, I just want to see how long it would take before you came and told me, you know. And then she meted out my penance and I, you know, went and, 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 but it was okay again, see. Well, when you say, why don't I have that closeness to the Lord? What is getting in my way? It's the sin issue. There's something that even if you're not aware of it, even if you don't talk about it, why do we come and why do we act so superficially with one another? Because we're afraid that we're going to open up our mouth and reveal ourselves. Sin makes us hide. It always has. From the very beginning, Genesis 3.8, what happened when Adam and Eve ate the apple and heard God walking in the cool of the garden? They went and hid themselves, didn't they? It's always had that. And so the barrier is not dealing with sin. The barrier is the misconception that escape from sin means running so hard or closing up so much that maybe we'll be able to escape the consequences of sin. But there's no freedom there. There's no freedom there. You know, when the first church began, they met in little houses. And before the institutional church began, they had a little ritual when they came together. And the first part of the ritual was to come together and confess their sins to one another. For those of you who are wordsmiths, it was called... Emilogesis. It was a confession. And they would encourage one another and say, well, this is how you, can, how you can cope with this. This is how you can deal with this. And then they would go to the fellowship part of the meeting, which was the koinonia part of the meeting. Well, when Constantine, the emperor, became a Christian, they institutionalized the church. And then you didn't have community confession and a community clearing up. Then you had private confession and you went to a priest. And, and then when the Reformation happened, well, Martin Luther was serious about confession. But what had happened practically is that we didn't confess at all to one another, according to James 5. 
We just were supposed to kind of take that to the Lord and clear it up. And then eventually the church became a place where you could actually get away with not confessing to anybody. But you know the residue that, happened, that, that has in life? You can't get close to anybody. You can't, because there's something there that prevents intimacy. We're afraid of being found out. And do you know the sense that you have when you walk in with unresolved, unconfessed sin to the Father? Is that not only do you not feel close to everybody, you feel like you're not worthy. You feel like everybody else in the place is probably okay with God, but you're not. You feel, and it comes out in, in, in silly ways. Well, they probably all know scripture and I don't, and so I hope nobody asks me. Well, they probably have their lives all together and I don't, so I hope nobody asks me. You see the growth, the, 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 the infection of that unconfessed sin begins to project onto other people that if they really knew us, they wouldn't love us. So, what do we do? Well, we run from sin and we don't talk about sin or wrong anymore. We talk about uh, so-and-so really messed up their lives. When, when's the last time you heard somebody say, so-and-so really sinned big time and fell on his face morally? No, they really messed up their life. Made a major mistake, didn't they? They did something stupid, we say. Um, they, uh, they, uh, they, they did something sick. Yeah, that's it. They did something sick. Um, well, was it morally wrong? Well, who am I to say morally wrong? You know, it's a very complex issue. So we have all of these ways that we, we don't want to deal with right and wrong. But the problem is we never get the freedom of forgiveness when we don't deal with it. We never say, I've been to the cross. I've given it to Christ. I'm okay. Because you see, freedom only comes with dealing specifically what is holding you down. That's the only way to ever get rid of it. Never to cover it up, never to hope it goes away. The only way to get rid of sin, of wrong, of the things that we do that make us afraid to love is to take it to the cross. Is to deal with it and say, Lord... Do you love even me enough to forgive me? And you know what the answer is? Yes. Now that's cause for celebration. That's cause for freedom. And that is the first step in community. That's the first step in being accepted by one another. It is our safety device, even if we're rejected by a certain individual, if we have been loved and accepted and set free by Jesus Christ, if we really believe that, being rejected won't crush us. But you know what? The chances of being rejected of somebody who's free and free to love in turn, John 15, 22, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. The chances of somebody whose walls have been broken down being rejected are not very high. The chances of acceptance and love of somebody who's free is very, very high. 
because all of us need that. That is your safety, facing sin and being forgiven. You know, in Southeast Asia, in the early 1970s, they were having a a war in Malaysia. And they hired this kind of a, a foreign SWAT team from Nepal called the Gurkhas. And they, really, they were, they were um, some of the fiercest, most courageous fighters that on ground. Their, their methods were primitive. They, hadn't, they, they weren't trained in all of the, the modern warfare, but they were courageous. So they brought these guys over. And the strategist watched them fight, and he was impressed. There wasn't anything they wouldn't do. With a gun in their hand and with the right strategy, they'd, they'd really go after him. So the, he brought them all in. And he said, I want to I see if you'll make a jump behind enemy lines. If we can get the planes, will you make a jump and then come up from behind? And their first response was, uh, no. <laughs> there's, there's few things we won't do, but that's one of them. And then... They started playing on their pride. They said, wait a minute, you're the most courageous fighting force in all the world. You guys aren't afraid of anything. And they said, well, so they huddled up and they talked about it. And they said, well, okay. They said, tell you what, on two conditions, we'll make the jump. One is that you find some soft, marshy swampland for us to jump into. And the next one is that you don't fly the planes any higher than 50 to 100 feet above the ground. Now, the general said, we've got to fly the planes higher than 50 to 100 feet or else the parachutes won't open. And the Gurkhas just looked at each other. Parachutes? You didn't say anything about parachutes. Okay, we'll jump anywhere. (laughs) You know what your parachute is in a relationship with somebody else? You've been forgiven. You can celebrate. You are loved. You are loved. And you don't have to be about, worried about rocky ground because you got the parachute. you got Jesus Christ. You don't have to be afraid about not being loved. You are already loved. Christ has broken down the wall of enmity. He has broken down the basis for hate and for fear. You are loved. And even if you blow it in this world, Even if you try to love and you don't get that love reciprocated, it's not going to kill you because you've been loved once and you are forever loved and you will be forever loved. You know, everybody know who Greg Luganus is? World-class diver. You know what he says that he tells himself every time he gets out on the end of a board and he's about ready, you know, the pressure must be phenomenal. Before every dive, He takes a deep breath and he says to himself, even if I blow this dive, my mother will still love me. (laughs) Isn't that neat? He's loved and therefore he can risk. He's loved and therefore he doesn't need to hide anymore. He's loved. It is so important. There is a community. There is a miraculous closeness that happens when you are sure of Christ's relationship with you, you don't need to be ashamed of who you have been. You're loved. You know, Jesus came to this world in Matthew eleven nineteen, and they accused him of being 
a friend of sinners. <gasps> he was. He is. That's us. You're loved. Ease on down the road. You're loved. When we realize that, then we got community. Because you know what? There isn't any person in here <laughs> that isn't as big a sinner as you are. You know that? It's true. I told my grandmother that one time. She almost passed out. Sinner? I'm not a sinner. She thought I meant active. I said, I know, Gran. You probably only committed one or two in your whole life. But still, that makes you a biggest sinner as anybody else. Because anybody who's broken any of the law has broken all of the law. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You've got nothing to be ashamed of that we all don't have that to be ashamed of. But you don't need to live in fear because you're loved anyhow. If you've taken it to the cross, if you've given it to Christ, if you have let him have it and you're done with it, you don't have to fear. You're not going to be rejected. You are accepted. And the other thing that this thing talks about is not just creating a community. But it talks about building a community for the future. Not only no longer being strangers, but having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. You know what? We have a tremendous future together as a family of God. Tremendous. And there are a lot of things that we just want to go do. We want to go change the world and we want to teach them how to love, you know. And we want to just watch God transform the world through our lives. Well, in some ways the world we will and in some ways we won't. Sometimes what we do will will look like progress, but a lot of times we're going to fall flat on our face. But here's something that I hope we'll never fail in, and I don't believe we will. No matter what happens out there, we'll always have each other. We'll have each other. We are being built into a temple. Yes, we will have missions. Yes, we will reach out. And yes, this is a training center, not so that we can just stay in our holy huddle, but so that we can be some good to someone else. But even when we fly, we'll have each other. We don't need to operate like the world operates. We don't need to tear each other up. We don't need to be number one. We've got each other. We can just love. I heard a story one time about a guy who went and picketed a Sodom and Gomorrah place. Got a few of his friends, you know. And he was just going to go out and change the world. And he'd picket and picket and picket and picket and picket and picket. Two years later, every night picketing, nothing changed. Somebody went up to him and they said, look, <laughs> does it seem to you that you're not doing much good here? That you're not really converting anybody? And the man said, yeah, I realize that. He said, I started out picketing and carrying my sign and shouting my slogans so that 
I could do some good and I could change the world. Then I realized I'm not going to change the world. Well, he said, why do you keep doing it then? Well, he said, at first I did it so that I would change them and now I do it so that they won't change me. First I did it because I wanted them to know what I had come to know in Jesus Christ. Now I do it because I don't want to be confused about what I know in Jesus Christ. We still got each other. And if you got there and flop, bring your little picket signs in here and we'll love. And we will not be converted by the world. We will not go into the ways of competition. We will not go into the ways of judgment and harshness. We won't need to convert everybody. But we can experience the love of God ourselves. We can lean on each other. We've got each other. And we can celebrate. We can celebrate. Would you pray with me? God, every once in a while we just need to hear that you love us. And we just need to accept that. And when I say every once in a while, I, I mean just, you know, maybe, maybe 24 hours a day every once in a while. <laughs> we need to know it in our knower. We need to sense it in all of what you've given to us. And then, Lord God, help us to love as you have loved us. Help us to accept as you have accepted us. Help us to be accused of hanging around with sinners, just like you are accused of hanging around with us. Help us, Lord, just to have a sense of forgiveness and help people see the freedom that brings. And Father, I wouldn't uh, be able to, to walk out of here and not have second thoughts. If I did not pray this prayer, there may be some people in here this morning that have never come to the cross. Because all their lives they thought that they could get away with it. And they've been trying to rationalize sin and rename it and make it into different philosophies. And they still know in their heart that they're separate from you. And that hurts them. Would you at this moment lead them to your son Jesus Christ? to his outstretched arms. And would you help them stop carrying that sin around and let them put that sin on his back saying, Jesus, please take this. And would you at this moment let them look at all that Christ accomplished on the cross and all that they don't have to accomplish because of it. And would you let them accept his love in their hearts right now and then make them free. Free of doubt and free of sin. Make us all free to love. In Jesus' name, amen.